When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. lack of trades <laughs> uh so we're going to talk about that we're going to discuss why that is the case and uh for some of you who are regular listeners or viewers that is not going to be necessarily new information i do have some new information though to be able to give you whether it's about the talks with atlanta whether it's talks with brooklyn whether it's uh players in particular or a kind of macro level approach to this deadline. Um, there is actually some stuff that I, I, I can be able to update you on here um, with one disclaimer. So uh, once I offer that up, we will be able to get to that. And then um, I do want to look ahead to discuss what a deadline that might continue on this path would mean for the Lakers moving forward, not just this season where they are still very much a, a flawed roster that needs to be fixed. Um, but also like beyond this season, LeBron isn't going to be thrilled or wouldn't be thrilled if the Lakers do wind up walking away from this deadline without making any serious improvements. So uh, we're going to discuss that. And then, you know, I do also think uh, if this is the new norm in terms of the way that this market is kind of playing out, I do think there's it's worth the time to discuss Rob Polinka's approach in the last couple uh, summers and off seasons, and maybe you know discuss a, a potential change in approach there moving forward. So yeah, as you can tell, a lot to get to. Let's dive on it. So we are, we are wrapping up day two. I am recording this right now at 8.05 Pacific um, on Tuesday. Uh, for those in my time zone, it is 10 o'clock Eastern. It is, it is 11 o'clock. We are nearing, may, might even get to midnight. Uh, we might even reach day three while i am on the air here depending on how quickly i can get to everything and i would like to take some questions and comments 
there at the very end as well. So we will uh, we will get to that. And uh, yes, L, to answer your question, this is live on YouTube right now. So please do subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Questions, comments, all of that good stuff is great. But those also help this channel grow, which is kind of the point. Um, aside from informing you guys and entertaining you guys and, and, and fanning out along with you guys in this kind of unique way that I can. But, uh, yeah, this is live on YouTube, youtube.com slash at Lakers lounge is where you can find this. Um, but anyway, it is day two. It is basically wrapped up at this point and nothing, right? Not just is there nothing. But talks around the league, everybody is just kind of like sitting there. You know, I think they're they're based on what I've heard. There are some deals where the framework is basically done, and the involved teams are just waiting till Thursday. Especially the sellers are just waiting until Thursday to actually pull the trigger on selling off a piece of their rotation. But um, but as it stands right now especially with the Lakers talks have really kind of slowed down. Um, that doesn't mean that like Rob Polinka's efforts have slowed. Dave McMenamin reported for ESPN the other day. And I can confirm that report that Rob is basically like locked himself in his office and is trying to upgrade this roster. There's just because of the way that this market is going right now, not very much opportunity to do so. Um, so that is kind of what's, what's new going on here. Uh, Jalant, I I'm, there are a couple names that um, I've heard secondhand that I'm not going to relay quite yet. Um, but as we get closer to Thursday, I will, I will dip back in and, and do some checking so I can hear some of this stuff firsthand um, before I really report it. But <laughs> that, by the way, that's how this tends to go. And I, and that's also, if you guys read my, my Substack piece previewing this week, I said, this is probably how this is going to look. You have owners of teams seeing potential playoff revenue. Now it would be play-in revenue. You're only talking about one game that way. But, you know, if you win a couple of those games, you get into the to the um, postseason. Now you have potentially upwards of like three or four or, you know, anywhere between two and four um, home playoff games and the revenue that comes with those playoff games. So you have a lot of owners saying like, yeah, no. Um, so long as, and you look at, and you look at these uh, standings right now in the NBA and, you know, especially in the West, you have a whole bunch of teams that are like right there. And um, for those teams that are right there, those owners are not going to okay selling pieces. Right. And you can almost say, you know, roughly the same in the uh, in the East, where seeds now you have Miami that's in uh, Orlando that's a little out ahead. We have Chicago in Atlanta, Brooklyn, and the Raptors all within like five losses or so. And and uh, <laughs> you know, for those teams, those owners aren't going to okay just selling off pieces while they think there's a chance that those teams could get into the play-in. But um, maybe win one of those playing games or, or, or win a couple of those playing games if you have to, and maybe get to the postseason. And, uh, you know, for those owners, it's just not worth it. And that's, 
exactly what I wrote for Substack the other day, where it was like, yeah, I think because this market is being squeezed at the very top because teams don't want to spend above that second apron. And are even there are some teams that are even more unwilling to go above the first apron. That's not the Lakers. I know people are going to react to one of the things that I'm going to say here a little bit later. But um, the, the it's also being squeezed at the bottom where you have teams uh, that would be penalized a lot more um, <laughs> in, in a lot more tangible ways by not reaching that salary floor. So those teams are reluctant to completely bottom out and lose all of their, their future money because uh, they would prefer some of that go to guys that they kind of know and trust rather than, you know, in years past, you'd be able to, um, you know, if you were not trying to win, you could essentially, you know, not hit the salary floor and your punishment really at that point would basically be paying out the gap between your final payroll and the salary floor, it would, you would divvy it up to the rest of the guys on that roster. And now there are actual punishments in, 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 in line for that. And teams are now being squeezed at the bottom of the market too. Um, you add to that, the flat, the flattened lottery odds where uh, it doesn't necessarily pay to do as much losing as you can possibly do. And you have a lot more teams kind of jumping up and down the um, draft board as a result of <laughs> as a result of that, and um, you know if you think that hey I can buy for a playing spot and it may not cost me all that much in terms of draft standing, then we may as well continue to try to win. And then the last um, part of this too is uh, I I just think you know there's there just aren't very many draft picks from these contenders the lakers can only move one first rounder the um you know you can go on down the line and most of these contenders only have you know one or two first rounders at their disposal especially at the top of the conference um the outlier there is okc but we know they're never going to trade their their first rounders um especially not for the guys that are on the market right now and and yeah and then i guess that's another thing that we need to mention here the guys that are on the market right now aren't that inspiring. Like I, I like Dejounte Murray, but if he is like the best player who is actually available right now, then it's not a great trade market. I like Dorian Finney-Smith, but if he's like a top two or three player who is on the trade market right now, it's not that great of a market. So you have a combination of all of these things, and I really kind of think now we'll see what Wednesday looks like. This is usually. Well, normally things start picking up on Monday and then normally, certainly Tuesday. If we don't see any progress again on Wednesday, I do think it's worth having a real conversation about whether the in-season tournament is actually good for, for the league, because this is a time where the NBA um, in that week leading up to the Super Bowl tends to, um, you know, kind of carve out their own niche in terms of uh, news and interest. <clears throat> and um, if there is no movement this time of year and that becomes the new norm, then the in-season tournament, the flat lottery odds, all of these things that were done to make these teams uh, try a little bit harder during the regular season. Um, well, th those things, you know, are going to have unintended consequences and, and appears like we are living through one such 
uh, unintended consequence right now with this market basically not moving. Now on the Lakers front, right? That's what we're all here for. This is indeed the Lakers Lounge channel. This is a Lakers lowdown episode. Um, but on the Lakers front, I previewed this deadline and I thought that it was going to be kind of quiet. Uh, all that I've heard in the uh, you know days before today, uh, in the lead up to today, even more kind of, you know, pessimism that a deal is going to come into fruition for DeJounte Murray or for Dorian Finney-Smith or, you know, that would, that would really change this roster. So, um, you know, take that for what you will. I have heard from a couple people close to the situation that it appears like D'Angelo Russell might actually make it through this deadline and remain a Laker, um, you know, past Thursday. Now, again, I do want to, I do want to, you know, offer the qualifier here. Everything that I'm saying is as of 10, 15, my time, uh, that is central time on Tuesday evening um, or Tuesday night. But, you know, I, I do think that there is, you know, coming into the season, I thought that there was almost no chance that D'Angelo Russell would not be on this team past the trade deadline people close to the Lakers, people throughout the league didn't think that there was a chance that D'Angelo Russell would not be a, uh, yeah, people throughout the league thought that there was no chance that D'Angelo Russell would be a Laker past the trade deadline. Um, and, and uh, you know, that again is kind of um, a signifier of this market in that, yeah, it's just, it's just a very frustrating spot that a lot of these teams find themselves in. And um, for the Lakers specifically, and I, again, I've said now for a few days that I've thought that the whole D'Angelo Russell, Atlanta noise and all of that, and how Atlanta wants the Lakers to find a third team. Um, like how, how like that, that I, I thought that that was all a red herring. And I've thought that actually uh, Atlanta's ownership got involved and they have been adamant that there is no DeJounte Murray trade without Austin Reeves. And look, if ownership says something, then, then that is going to be the case. And, you know, I see Vinny asking, are the Lakers and Nets waiting on Atlanta? I, I kind of sort of think a lot of these teams have the Lakers. I wouldn't go so far as to say that they have moved on from Atlanta, but I do kind of think that like, there's only so many times you can have the same conversation. And I think that's kind of where we find ourselves right now with the Lakers and the Hawks and that like, we're going to do this again, huh? Do you want, you want Murray? Yeah, we still want Murray. Okay. But you want Reeves? Yeah, we still want Reeves. And Finn, that's it. Like, that's the end of that conversation. And, you know, maybe as we get closer to uh, the, the trade deadline, it's funny, I've seen a lot of reporting and a lot of analysis on what Atlanta is getting ready to potentially do. And, and the, the notion is like, Oh yeah, well we've seen them hold on to, um, you know, players in the past, most recently John Collins, and they are fine with trading that player. Eventually it's like, okay, so they don't learn from mistakes. Cause John Collins has actually been pretty good for Utah this year. And Utah got him for like, you know, a, a 
a Twinkie, like one of those Twinkies that got shot in um, that one zombie movie. Spoiler alert. So, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, they're they're saying like it kind of reminds me of. Um, there's a scene from Blazing Saddles where the sheriff like realizes, oh, that's right. Like all these people like they hate me because I'm black and cool. Like this is a how am I going to get out of this spot? And he like holds himself hostage and he's like walking out off of the scene or whatever. And he's like, I'll do it. I'll put a bullet in them. I'll do it. And and everybody that's like sitting there watching is like, is somebody going to do anything? And everybody's like, no, nobody move. Everybody be quiet. They are. Gee, that person just might do it. And and it's like, um, yeah, I, I, I think that the Hawks are basically like, yeah, we'll do it. We'll keep Murray. We'll trade Murray in this offseason for less than you guys are offering right now. And and everybody's like. Like really? Like again? You're gonna do it again? And like we're dumb enough to do it. We're gonna do it again. And and yeah, I I, I kind of think that that's kind of where the market finds itself. Um, and I, I frankly I think that's where Brooklyn and 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 the Lakers find themselves too. I I do think that um there is a chance that the Lakers um pursue Dorian Finney-Smith. We'll see if Brooklyn is okay with taking Gabe in that in that trade. Um, I don't think the Lakers would like to move uh, D'Angelo Russell and not get a starting point guard back. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think as it stands right now with those talks between the, 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 the Lakers and the Hawks, it's just, it's just at this continued stalemate where Atlanta is, um, you know, being ardent about demanding Reeves and with, you know, by the time some of you guys are listening to this tomorrow morning, you are nearing that point where there you're like within 36 hours of that trade deadline. And, um, you know, Atlanta risks, uh, you know, going into the off season. And now they're saying that, you know, maybe they'll have a better chance at trading DeJounte Murray at um, in, in the summer when there are more picks available for some of these teams. But like, if you're one of these teams and like, I don't think the Lakers, I don't think what's stopping the Lakers from trading for DeJounte Murray is the fact that they don't have an extra first rounder. I don't think the Lakers would trade a second first rounder for DeJounte Murray. I don't think a lot of teams now, given how they've seen what it's done to Atlanta, where Atlanta, I think the year before they traded for DeJounte Murray, were in the conference finals. Then they give up all that draft capital and they've been mediocre since. Like, why would any other team in the NBA be, like look at that? Not not blaming DeJounte Murray solely for that, but you know, if once you if you're dumb enough to set the market too high, that's not on everybody else. Like, that's not that's not like it's not my fault. <laughs> it's kind of like marketplace, right? Where where somebody will will buy something and and they'll say, Well, this was originally marked at twelve hundred dollars. And I'm like, okay, cool, but like nobody else is gonna pay twelve hundred bucks for this thing. So that price is going to drop. It's going to drop. It's going to drop. And eventually you're either going to decide, well, I'm not going to sell it because I didn't, I don't want to do that. Or you're like, well, I'll just get whatever I can for him. And maybe they, maybe Atlanta just waits. And eventually they reach that point where they do just get whatever they can for him. And that's probably going to be less than the Lakers are currently offering. Just like it's just like the Detroit Pistons are probably going to get less this year. If they move Boyan Bogdanovich, than they could have last year, just like, uh, the Nets are probably going to get less for Dorian Finney-Smith than the two first rounders that they reportedly turned down. 
yeah, you can you can set those prices as high as you want, but the market doesn't have to listen. And I think that's kind of where we find ourselves with uh, the Lakers and D'Lo and DeJounte Murray. Now, I do want to say this about D'Lo. Um, and so, essentially, D'Lo has played really good basketball in a variety of ways. I think he's, like, played good basketball. He's had games where, obviously, the scoring really jumps out at you. And then he's also had games where the scoring wasn't necessarily there, and he still finds ways to impact the game, right, as he did against Boston. And that like that second game is actually what makes me more intrigued by keeping him beyond this deadline. And I do think that there are some people in the Lakers organization who have been kind of convinced by the fact that like what he has done, is it that much big of a, a jump from D'Angelo Russell to DeJounte Murray um, with D'Angelo Russell playing the way that he is debatable. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think with, uh, with where things stand here on D'Lo, if the Lakers do decide to stick with this, and if he is indeed, um, as I just said, <laughs> the possibility that he is a Laker beyond this deadline, well, now you got to start thinking about like paying the guy, right? Um, he's he's he probably feels like he is at a discount right now, which means he's probably not opting into that player option this upcoming summer. And that makes him an unrestricted free agent. Now, you do have his his bird rights. And so the Lakers would have the opportunity and, and, and kind of like the, the best chance at bringing D'Lo back. I don't think teams would like splurge to bring in D'Angelo Russell at this stage of his career. But, you know, it it is something that the Lakers now have to be cognizant of. It's like, okay, D'Lo is on like 18-ish million dollars right now. Uh, what does that look like here moving forward for you? Are you comfortable paying D'Lo 20 and up more than 20 potentially next season? And that's always been, to me, part of the calculus and into why I would have preferred or would prefer that they do trade D'Angelo Russell. And, you know, that is going to be something that the Lakers are going to continue to think about here um, in the next couple days or so. And, uh, you know, that's the zillion-dollar question is like, well, and and also like a D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves backcourt in the postseason. Like if the point every year is to win a championship, I don't think that's a championship backcourt personally. I, I I think they're great offensively potentially, but you have to have an elite perimeter defender there. And unfortunately for the Lakers, Jared Vanderbilt, I still I I heard again today that, it, yeah, it, it still is very likely that he's going to miss the, the rest of the season. So uh, if you don't have him as your best perimeter defender and you're going to have, like, Rui out there, and I like Rui. I think he brings some different things to the starting lineup right now. I think that group specifically is very excited to to play together again. You had D'Lo kind of subtweet the, uh, the, the coaching staff in his comments after the game after watching them play together. Um, but Rui isn't a perimeter defender. You can't start Cam in a playoff game. And, uh, you know, like, what, what are your options there? And uh, that's why I would, I, I personally, like, all right, fine. You aren't interested in trading a first rounder 
and D'Angelo Russell for uh, DeJounte Murray, I think that Vinny is onto something here when he says I would do DFS for Gabe and picks and keep D'Lo. I think that's uh, I that's the trade that I heard today about that um, made the most sense to me in terms of like impact on the team that the Lakers are considering is, is something like that where um, now if they do that, now you have to find, I think another point guard um, to, to kind of solidify that rotation um, or, or another creator. Although the way that Anthony Davis is creating with the ball now, maybe that, that makes you more comfortable trading Gabe and going into the postseason with only Austin and D'Angelo Russell as your kind of lead guards. Um, but, but yeah, the, the, the idea that the Lakers, um, may go into the postseason with D'Angelo Russell and with Austin Reeves again, after getting swept in the, in the Western conference finals, like, uh, you know, if the point is to win championships, you can't quite do that. Right. And, and that is where I think things get interesting moving forward when you're talking about what various deadline outcomes, um, the impact that they might have on the Lakers here moving forward. Before we move on really quickly, I do want to ask everybody, we have like 550 people here. We keep setting records for um, people who are tuning into these shows, and I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, so to those of you who are new, please do hit the subscribe button whether it is wherever you get your podcast, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's following me on Twitter or X at Anthony Irwin LA, whatever it is, uh, like join join the community. It's a fun one. I really enjoy um, the role that that I have been able to play in this as I move further and further and further from like traditional fandom into, I guess now Harrison calls me an insider. I'm thinking about changing my substack name to insider like n i n s i g h t e r like like where it's insight and not necessarily just inside information um but we'll see but anyway yeah please do subscribe let's keep on with the show though so what would this mean like if the lakers do stand pat here or if they make moves that are more on the peripheries again i'm told to look for the lakers to dip under the luxury tax here with some deal that where they take back, you know, I think they have to take back at least 1.2 or 3 million bucks less than they send out. And that's if they don't add anybody on the buyout market, which I'm told that the Lakers are looking to do to, you know, if they, if they have a quiet deadline, if this quiet deadline continues. Um, so what would that mean though? Right. Talked about the impact that, that this would have, on D'Angelo Russell and what the Lakers would be looking to do with D'Angelo Russell. That makes me a little nervous, <clears throat> but I do think though that like the guy that you have to look at most is LeBron James, right? We've seen him flirt with the New York Knicks. We've seen him flirt in, in trade deadlines past when the Lakers sat that one out. Remember the first Russell Westbrook trade deadline, the Lakers didn't do basically anything and he was complimenting Sam Presti and Les Snead and the jobs that those um, GMs do for their uh, respective teams. And, uh, you know, LeBron can, you know, I don't think he actually did. But remember, LeBron talked about retirement coming off of 
that um, sweeping that they were handed by the Denver Nuggets last year. And I think that uh, I'm not going to say he's not going to retire. And I think there is a lot of question as to whether he would even opt out of a $51 million uh, player option. But I do think that everybody has that breaking point. And uh, the analogy I used on it um, on a show I did recently, I did the ba big baby show uh, yesterday or the day before. I think it was Monday. It, it all blends together. Apologies. But <clears throat> the analogy that I kind of used here, think of LeBron as big brother and think or a like an older brother and think of the Lakers with like their kind of inexperienced uh, ownership and inexperienced front office as like younger brother. Right. Um, think about, uh, yes, there he is. So big baby sports is the channel that I was on the other day. Fun show that I, I did that day, but I, I, uh, I compared this relationship to big brother and little brother splitting a room, which I did with my younger brother at one point. And so if you think about it, like every older brother basically says like, all right, my, my part of the room, starts here i am laying down a line right here that you are not allowed to cross and what's the first thing in some cases right some older brothers will even get some tape or something like that or they'll like mark it off with some clothes or something and what's the first thing the little brother does right the line's right here right they go and they put a finger right there and they just like hey look at me i'm over here right I used to, this used to happen all the time at, at the beach too, right? Where you're like, look, this is my part of the beach. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, just draw out a border for myself. Um, and, and, and Andrew, don't mess with my border. First thing Andrew does, hey, look at, look at me, boop, you know? And, and I'm like, and eventually you break. Right. Eventually, eventually, like the, that, that, that little brother puts one toe too far over and you grab little brother and you Hulk smash him all over the beach. Right. Or you, you throw him onto, onto his bed, onto his bed and you tickle him until he's ready to pee himself. And, and, you know, I'm not, I will neither conform nor deny that I'd ever did any of those things. I was a saint as an older brother. Don't ask Andrew, but I do kind of think that like this is, this is uh, a a a situation here with LeBron where he's like, I don't like Darwin, isn't it? Like, or even before that, it was like, please hire Ty Lue. He's available. I won a championship with him before. Can we just bring in the guy that makes the most sense here? Dip a toe on the other side. Ah, oh, we won't bring in Ty Lue, but you'll like Frank Vogel. And it worked out, right? They won a championship or whatever. Um, but that was kind of the first time that like LeBron was like, are you kidding me? Come on. All right, fine, whatever. And then they, uh, they trade for Russell Westbrook, which was kind of the two sides working together. Um, a lot of people like to paint that picture as LeBron and AD forcing that trade to happen. That is not the case. Um, I've been told over the years by several people that Rob Polinka was very much in on that trade. So it was kind of like a 50, 50 work, right? Sometimes brothers work together. Um, ever since then, though, you had Rob Polinka leaking at every opportunity he had. Oh, yeah, totally. All those guys' ideas. That was, well, I don't know what, what happened there. Hey, Rob, you had to make the call. What? No, not me. I didn't. Uh, it was uh, AI. 
Um, and, and then, so you go from that and, you know, initially LeBron was like, okay, that didn't work out. Let's try to fix this. I only have so many prime years left. Let's try to fix this. Let's see what we can do here at this deadline. Yeah. It's going to cost some draft compensation, but let's see. And that first time again, you kind of, there's that toe again. There's that line. Here we go. Boop. Not going to do it again. And, uh, and Russell Westbrook remained a Laker, uh, all through that off season. Right. And then you're like, okay, well, for sure, they're going to trade Russell Westbrook that summer. That you know, there's no way that they're going to go through that again. Uh, no, no, there's that line. No, I'm not going to listen again. And they did not trade Russell Westbrook, despite LeBron James explicitly telling, I'm told, them like, hey, like we can't do that again. That didn't work. And then um, <laughs> at the deadline, finally, they're like, okay, all right, this isn't going to work. We'll bring in some guys. We'll help you out. And wouldn't you know it, when they brought in some role players that made some sense there, the Lakers go immediately on a run and get all the way to the Western Conference Finals. And LeBron's like, cool, great, yeah, all right, let's let's build on that, right? Let's build on that. Let's let's do the sustainable thing. Let's, you know, maybe see what we could turn D'Angelo Russell into in the, in the offseason. But for the most part, LeBron bought into, and this was the note that I had coming into the season, was for the first time really in the LeBron James era, he was like excited for running it back and about running it back. And, you know, that, that presented a really cool opportunity. Unfortunately, Darvin Ham didn't get that memo and has been a disaster all year. And while he's been a disaster, LeBron has kind of sort of made it known and, and people close to LeBron have kind of sort of made it known. Yeah, no, this is not working out. Go out and get somebody who makes some more sense than this guy. I cannot take another halftime speech where he's telling me we aren't running fast enough. Um, Rob Polinka though, immediately leaked to everybody. Nope, not happening. Not, not, not firing Darvin Ham. And again, there's that toe on the other side of the line. And then this is, I think, potentially that one time too many, especially going into a summer where LeBron James could opt out and no longer be a Laker and the Lakers would get nothing at all for his departure. This would be potentially that one more, one too many times where LeBron's kind of like, all right, that's it. You idiots, we aren't doing this anymore. And and we'll see, like, we'll see what that kind of looks like. But but uh, I do think that that is the risk here in standing pat. And I do kind of think that because of that, if I were the Lakers, I would do Gabe and a first for, uh, and if you have to send out some more money um, to, to get under the luxury tax, whatever. But that is kind of what I would do just to like, just olive branch for LeBron and say, look, we aren't trading Austin for, for, De, uh, for DeJounte Murray. Um, we're sorry, but we can't do that. But here is a wing who is going to help you at your position. He's going to help on defense. Here's all these things. Maybe we can go out and get Kyle Lowry on the buyout market. Somebody who the Lakers wanted before. Um, and LeBron signed off on that trade before. Um, so maybe that'll help, right, to kind of soothe over the waters for the fact that they didn't go out and get a clutch guy um, in DeJounte Murray. But, yeah, that is that is the thing here moving forward that I have my eye on the most is how was LeBron going to respond to this? And also, even if you even if you don't get to the idea of offseason and departures and it's not that extreme uh, because the Lakers do want him to retire a Laker. He wants to retire a Laker. He also, though, doesn't want to be taken advantage of. And I think that they have kind of taken for granted how great he has been and for long he has been that great. So 
Uh, but even if it even if it doesn't reach this offseason, if LeBron doesn't feel like the Lakers are as bought in, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna really try in some spots and all of that stuff. But there are also going to be some spots where he just kind of like mopes and he's oh, well, all right, fine, whatever. You didn't you didn't um commit fully to me. Well, I won't necessarily commit fully to the season, and I'll see if I can add on to my prime so that when I leave, I have a chance at helping whatever team I go to win a championship when I get there. Because at the end of the day, he has said this. He's chasing ghosts. He's chasing six rings from my, Michael Jordan's six rings. He's trying to like leapfrog it, ideally, and put himself in a place. If he wins a championship in a third market, that is something basically no other player has done uh, unless like Kawhi does it this year where you know you're the best player on three different teams and win championships on three different teams like that's something that I, I'm sure LeBron would kind of look at and say well it's it's an option um and and yeah that is something that like moving forward here is at the forefront or should be at the forefront at every Lakers decision maker's mind All right, uh, moving on really quickly to a comment here that I have to get to. All right, so is there a path to Jeremy Grant? No, essentially. Um, I'm like the, the Portland really wants to start winning as soon as next year, and you aren't going to win that soon if you start selling off parts. Uh, I think it's dumb. And we'll see what that uh, turns into eventually. Um, excuse me. I also don't think the Lakers are thrilled with uh, Jeremy Grant's uh, deal. I don't think very many teams are like over the moon about Jeremy Grant's deal in this new CBA. So no, I don't really see a path to Jeremy Grant right now. Um, the last thing that I wanted to touch on here. And again, thank you everybody for tuning in another record show here please do hit that subscribe button um despite my voice and my terrible analogies but <laughs> but the um the last thing i wanted to talk about here is rob polinka and the approach that he takes to these summers where i think he takes for granted oh yeah well i didn't get a great offer for russell westbrook we'll just go ahead and and address that in the season and he went one for two in that regard, right? Um, in that in that uh, first year, he said, well, uh, we aren't going to do anything here at the trade deadline. We'll do something in the offseason. And then nothing materialized in the offseason. And he was like, well, fine. We'll just, we'll figure something out. And, and we'll figure something out in the, in the, in the regular season. And I, uh, I don't think that you can do that anymore in this market. And with how with how slowly things are moving now, and with this new CBA in place, I don't I don't think that that is something that you can realistically bank on. Is at the deadline we will just address what we have to. Right? He did it again this year with D'Angelo Russell, where they essentially negotiated with D'Lo and said we will give you X amount of money if you turn down your uh, your 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 trade. Uh, your no trade clause. If you turn that down now, we will give you X amount of money. If you don't turn it down now, we'll give you slightly less money than that. The Lakers, I've also been told, and I've also told you guys in the past, that the Lakers um, tried to sign D'Angelo Russell to 
a bigger contract worth uh, only the one year on it. Um, but he wanted the extra year. He wanted that player option. Makes sense. Um, and I, uh, you know, the Lakers thought, hell, when they signed the deal, there was a couple days there where, like, they agreed to the deal. And between then and signing it, they canvassed the league and made the decision then. We're like, okay, well, we'll just come back to this in the regular season. And we already have that bit of business done where he waived his no trade clause. For sure, we'll be able to move them. And um, um, you know, it, it didn't play out that way. It hasn't played out that way. So I do think here for the Lakers and for Rapalinka moving forward, you can't just bank on what you think you should be able to get done at the deadline or in the buyout market or whatever. Like they got to stop procrastinating and they got to start like doing these things in ways that, uh, you know, making those adjustments to the roster and, and doing them, you know, kind of when that opportunity presents itself, even if you feel like you're getting, you know, like 10 cents less on the dollar. Um, I, I just think, you, you know, it, I prefer 10 cents less on the dollar than nothing. And right now the Lakers are going into this uh, postseason potentially with D'Angelo Russell on their roster, um, somebody who is an unproven playoff performer in three different spots, right? Whether it was with Brooklyn or with Minnesota or now with the Lakers, uh, he got benched in all of those playoff runs. And on top of that, you're going to have to pay the guy probably as soon as this summer, which are you going to do that all over again and hope to, to you know sign him and then trade him next year too we're just going to keep doing that dance so if if this postseason doesn't go well or if the rest of this regular season doesn't go well um yeah i i think there's there's a lot of risk involved there and i think rob palinka and this lakers front office which again is still unproven i do like to continue to mention that because there is no like you have bill burka who's been in the nba forever but he's never been a gm you have uh Phil Jackson um, consulting the Lakers occasionally, but uh, he was a terrible GM. You have Kurt Rambis. He has NBA experience, but not as a uh, GM and as a bad head coach. And so like the extent of the um, on the job experience that the Lakers have right now is like still going right now with Rob Palinke. He's the most experienced person in that front office because there is nobody else <laughs> in that front office to who is who is there um, working with them and 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 kind of helping them with these things and and analyzing the CBA to say like hey if this is actually how this is going to go this is how we would foretell some of these um, trends going and if I could see this trend coming here um, somebody affiliated with the Lakers should have been able to too you would think right. And, and yet, no, like they, they might sit here through the deadline and not be able to make a move. And I think they would have themselves to blame. Um, um, uh, Emmer says that, uh, I personally think it was that because he was ran into the ground last year, uh, since our front office wouldn't budge on a rust trade, it contributed to his foot injury. Does LBJ think the same? I'm not going to speak for LeBron, but. It probably didn't help like the Lakers and, and and you looked at that entire roster and they were exhausted because of how much ground they had to make up before they even got to the postseason. 
And when they finally got there, they were wiped. And and I, you know, I, I think a lot of that had to do with the way that the front office handled their business last year. It was why I was hopeful coming into this this trade deadline that the Lakers would do their work here. And even before the trade deadline, I was hoping that the Lakers would have enough momentum to where they wouldn't have to like go on the sprint that they went on last year. But they're gonna have to again because you look at the standings that they're currently in, they're in the nine spot right now, they're 27 and 25. But if they that like you aren't you you know you have to do a whole bunch of work if you're going to catch Phoenix um, in the sixth spot that would take you out of the play-in range. Um, Phoenix has four fewer losses there, so that's probably out of the cards. Um, if you want to only play one play-in game potentially, the Lakers would have to again. New Orleans is in the seventh spot. They also have four fewer losses than the Lakers. The Mavs have two fewer losses than the Lakers. And in that scenario, you would play an away game at new Orleans to avoid playing a second play in game. Um, and, and yeah, like the Lakers are going to have a lot of work ahead of them here and they're going to be doing it here with, you know, a head coach that I don't think has been very good this year and a roster that isn't optimized right now and is actually kind of sort of broken because you didn't potentially make up for Jared Vanderbilt at the uh, at the deadline. So I I think they um when it comes down to it, the Lakers are are you know, and look, to be absolutely clear, I've been told by several people here, and it's been reported elsewhere, that Rob Palenka is really busy trying to make these calls right now. And by the way, when you talk about like why how did it go from so much information floor to flow to now it feels like it's kind of bottleneck. It's because essentially like the way that Rob Polinka does business, I've been told is he like, you know, he gathers all this information with a whole bunch of people throughout the organization. And those, in, those people like provide him scouting and on their own team, on the trade market, on the potential buyout market. And then he kind of locks himself in a room, sometimes with Darvin Ham. And they go off and they make their their decisions together. And obviously, when there are more people that are a part of that conversation, that opens up the information floor out flow out to to those who are reporting on the team. And in in this case, though, when that uh, when that conversa conversation really dwindles down, you only have like a handful of of reporters who Rob Polinka does you know talk to directly. Um, in the way that, that like you, like, like I would need to, if I was going to update the situation. Um, and, and that's why when the Lakers finally make their trades, it's almost always just Woj or just Shams who breaks that news. And I would even say that it's just Woj, which like, you know, you can go back through Woj's, um, podcast history and there is Rob Polinka having conversations with him in the past on there. So, um, yeah, I, I I do think <clears throat> that the Lakers approach here, generally speaking, has to change in these uh, off seasons, and they aren't alone in that regard. I think for a lot of these teams, because of the way that this trade deadline is uh, playing out, a lot of teams are kind of looking at this and saying, yeah, no, like we aren't waiting until Thursday at 11 o'clock um, Pacific to, to finally feel like we have a deal on the table here. Um, while these owners who are shooting for mediocrity, you know, wait until they find out for sure that they are somehow going to fall short of even that goal. 
So um, a lot to a lot to continue to talk about, a lot to continue to, to cover. And we are going to continue doing that here on the Lakers Lounge feed, whether that is um, in podcast form, in uh, YouTube form, um, in my writing on Substack, wherever it is. Um, that is, uh, you know, how things are going to continue here. We do have a fun guest lined up for you guys tomorrow as George Sedano of ESPN is going to be hopping on here. I love talking to him around this time because we just like to laugh at the ways that uh, LeBron thinks he's being subtle, but is not at all being subtle. So we'll discuss uh, some of that as well. And and I, look, I've told you all along, if I get wind that a, a trade is imminent, I will report it. If a trade happens, I will go live right afterward and react to it. Um, and, and so we have a ton of content, obviously, here to close out this week. And shoot, it's only Tuesday as I'm recording right now. So until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's. And please do something, Lakers. Anything that is not just trimming luxury taxes, please come on.